What is up, everyone? That's the new spiel. Happy Toffee Blues USA, everybody. This is Jerry coming to you from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, uh, with another edition, another episode of the Toffee Blues USA. Welcome. Today, I've got with me, coming uh, coming from, uh, from also, it's close by. It's also from North Carolina. I've got Cameron from the Carolina Toffees. Cameron, it's nice to meet you, man. It's great meeting you, Jerry. It's good to meet a fellow North Carolinian. Yeah, I was I was telling Cameron uh, off recording about how I've been like you know like doing just some some very uh, minor stalking of the Carolina Toffees, like on Facebook and all that, and on uh, it's just actually really cool to meet uh, to meet one of the main admins. I know one of them in real life. Uh, so this is kind of, I don't know, this is kind of cool to put a face behind the account. Uh, so, so Cameron, you, can you let us know where, where you live? So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, just outside the city. Uh, I have lived in the, in the major city for now, uh, 10, 10 plus years. And uh, we've had this support group, I would say, Roger, Roger Smith, who you know from Winston-Salem. Uh, we really had this for about eight to nine years, almost close to a decade. And we've really been trying to build this group up. It's uh, from not just North Carolina, but also South Carolina as well. And we've had a lot of great meetups over the years. And uh, I... Now, and I'm only about a 10-minute drive away from, from where we are now, which is QCBC, which you see behind me. And that is our official pub for the Charlotte area group and where we have most of our meetups now. That's, uh, that's awesome. How long have you been an Everton supporter, man? I have been an Everton supporter since 2009-10, which coincides with really when the courtyard started to open up and we had our first uh, soccer pub, which was Hooligans across the street. And we were very fortunate because Fox was the broadcasting group for the Premier League at the time. And they were very adamant to make sure that uh, clubs that had American players on the team, such as Tim Howard and Landon Donovan, mm -hmm. were going to get airtime. And so it was very uh, advantageous for us. We were able to see a lot of Everton, uh, Everton games when I was first starting out and uh, that really kind of drew me, especially because when you learn more about Everton's history, they were very open to having American players and international players earlier than other clubs in the Premier League were. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, the rich history of this club as well it drew me to it as well. So that's so was it was the initial so you, you mentioned the the history is just one of the for me, it was one of those things that kind of helped seal the deal. Mm -hmm. um, and there was just. Do you have like ones? Was it was it the fact that those American players were there? Was that the initial like eye catching moment, or do you have? Because I've got a one particular moment that a lot of people know, and it's sort of cliche for me at this point. But what about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, it, it's it's not so much about the American players. And I've always told, I think I've said it so many times on Twitter and to anyone I've ever that ever wants to listen to me is that my favorite, I, one of my favorite players of all time is Tip Cahill. Uh, I fell in love with him during the 2006 World Cup. He was, I mean, the, he is the most, one of the most diverse players I've ever seen in terms of his, how he scores goals, headers especially. And the fact that around, he was, when, in 2006, he was playing for Everton. And he is obviously one of the biggest club legends uh, of all time. And so it was also, that also contributed to me being able to become an Everton supporter very quickly. So I, I, I don't know if I have one big moment for Cahill. I mean, really, he's had so many big ones, especially against Liverpool. Mm -hmm. So that was, but he is, but he's by far my favorite player. And so I, it was a very easy transition to come and support the Blues. Yeah, that's a, for me, that's a, that's a, just an easy player to identify with. You know what I mean? I watch him and I'm like, there's a guy, he's not the tallest guy, 
but you know what? He's not backing down. He's he's climbing up for headers, and 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 the the there's just the sheer ingenuity he displays with the ball, like with finishing. Uh, oh my gosh, one of the more fun players that ever that I've ever seen play. I love watching that guy play. Yeah, I'd, you said Tim Cable. I'm like yes. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hell of hell of a highlight reel that guy's. Anytime Bubs puts any of his any of his highlights on Twitter or Instagram, it's just an instant smile. Yes, <laughs> that's ah, oh, what a good way to start talking to him, Cahill. So really quick, uh, you mentioned so that is the supporters group behind you. That's the Carolina Toffees behind you. Yep, that is correct. Yeah. At your meetup at uh, Queen City Bites and Crafts in, I mean, that's downtown Charlotte. It is downtown Charlotte or uptown Charlotte, however you oh, want. Oh, uptown, that's right. Yes, uh, it, it goes both ways here. <laughs> uh, this is in the courtyard, which is the really the oldest remaining part of downtown Charlotte, uh, over 100 years old now. They renovated it about 10 years ago. And so we were very fortunate that someone who works in the industry uh, ended up buying the space, and he is an Everton supporter. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he's actually one of the original Everton supporters that came to Hooligans all the time back in 09, 10, 11. And now he was in the position to take that space. And so we've become a full-fledged Everton bar for the last two and a half years. That's That's amazing. So many times there's shared territory. So to actually have your own space is, is really cool. Oh, um, we- Yep, we put up with that for a little while. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. I heard some stories, so yeah. It's <laughs> um, so uh, here's a rather comfortable segue. Uh, Queen City Bites and Crafts, just around the corner from a certain stadium, no? That's correct. So the new MLS team that is going to be revealing uh, their branding and their name tomorrow, actually, is is going to be playing at the Panther Stadium uh, which is literally two blocks away. So, yeah, it's it's obviously it's a very exciting time here in Charlotte for sure. Even though they have to wait until 2022. Yeah, but I mean, and and by the time this this uh, becomes public, the name will have been announced. Uh, possible. I realize a lot of Everton supporters are kind of like, okay, where's the Everton? Give me a second. I promise. There's so much Everton coming. So much. Uh, but. <laughs> possible and, and i actually feel like some everton supporters may get a kick out of the fact that they narrowed it they keep narrowing down the names for uh, for the charlotte mls team and right now it's been narrowed down to six uh yeah. which is carolina gliders fc no. charlotte charlotte athletic fc charlotte crown fc charlotte fc or charlotte town fc what's your favorite by the way you know quite honestly i like it simplified uh charlotte fc works and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if they do Charlottetown or Charlotte Crown, I guess I'd be fine with that and I'll get behind it. But the Charlotte FC really is, I think, the easiest one to brand and then put a, you know, put a badge on it and, and expand it. So uh, if they do that, that's fine with me. And it's it really is. If you look at any successful brand in terms of football across the globe it's they have very simplistic names mm-hmm. they don't try to go crazy with try to get too creative they mm-hmm. what they do is, with their creativity is with the badge and then with the the shirts and and being able to market everything so that's i have I'm, a i have a feeling you're right by the way i actually think that's what they're going to pick yeah i think that's what's going to be i heard a lot of people pumping up charlottetown i don't fully get that just because charlotte is like a pretty big city right and i feel like the town-based clubs in uh in england at least are are not these major booming metropolis you know big cities necessarily uh so i'm not completely sure charlottetown makes as much sense to me i like the sound of charlotte athletic but i also think it's like trying to be a different culture almost so (laughs) so uh, it's all uh, charlotte fc is is the simplest way to go um and i sort of wanted queen city to be honest with you in the beginning but then it, it's just not an option now. It's not an option. And, you know, then they kind of equate that to, you know, England. And are we trying to be too much like that? Or uh, I get that. Oh, but, yeah. That's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah are, we, are we trying to be, yeah, be too much like that? But, you know, I think in the end, I mean, I think our name stands on its own. And Charlotte FC is a very, is a very strong name. And I think that I don't know 
anybody behind the marketing, but I know they'll be, they've had so much time to work on this that I think it'll be a very good branding that we see tomorrow. There's a lot of smart soccer minds behind this, football minds for the uh, audience that is not American. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, there's just some, when I'm talking to an American, a lot of times I say soccer, sorry. Uh, no, when, I'm talking, when I'm talking to, when I'm talking to the, to the guys from England and they're, you know, I remember David Hughes would always say, oh, you dropped a soccer bomb. <laughs> just <Yeah. right. laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Comments tomorrow. And- yeah, yeah, it'll be there. It's okay. <laughs> Catch myself. <laughs> so um, a lot of good uh, minds in the sport. You know, I, I think there's somebody who is uh, linked to Manchester City who's like behind, uh, like in the like a pretty high position with this club, right? That is correct. The president, uh, he was, he's actually the president of the Panthers and mm-hmm. he is, and David Tepper, the owner has made him in charge. Basically his name is Tom Glick. He did run. He was a big wig with Manchester city. He was really the, the mastermind behind putting New York city FC in, in its place there a few years ago. So he's obviously very well versed in uh, being able to put an MLS team in and do very good branding and build up a team very well. So I think that we're in a very good spot, especially now, you know, what's unfortunate is we don't have a team next year, but he's going to have an extra year now to really build up a team and put everything together so that we have, I think, a good product in place come 2022. I knew if I let that, if I laid that up there, you were just going to take it and dunk it. I knew you were going to know the names. It just, I got a vibe that you would be a name knower, my friend. So last thing, cause that was, that was very, that's very topical. That's very now. The last thing is also very now, uh, are, uh, rumors about a player. We have to address this now because it's time. It, it's timely. Uh, Hoiberg from Southampton, all you know, we've heard rumors over and over again. Okay, yeah, we, we're we're interested. Oh, but he wants Spurs, but we're interested. Oh, but he wants Spurs. And then today it came out, oh, he's been at Finch Farm and we've agreed personal terms and 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 the world is rosy and we've agreed to you know, and then all of a sudden here comes uh here comes the echo with, uh, with old I think old Phil dropped a story on us. It was kind of like Sorry, guys. Let me just let me just pee all over your your fire. You know. Um. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know the other guy who's very very well in tune that I listen to is Alan Myers, who's oh, because he, he said it's not true, right? Guy Sports. He literally just put three words: "It's not true." So it's like, if Alan Myers has come out and said it's not true, then I'm willing to believe that, even though like eight different periodicals decided that this is a true story. I think. The, uh, a lot of, what well, I think we're all skeptics now and cynics because we're Everton supporters. And then what everyone's commenting on now is, of course, that the reason people have dropped this story is because to entice Spurs to up their ante. Right. Because that's probably what his agent is doing mm-hmm. and saying, this is what Everton have brought in. You need to up your up your bid for him now if you want him. And so, of course, now the rumors are Spurs don't want to pay what we're offering. So, no, but I know it's not. <laughs> it's all a game. Yeah. So, I mean, if if the rumors are true that Hoiberg doesn't want to play for Everton, he wants to play for Spurs. You know, then I don't really know why we want to keep pursuing him because we've we've gone through this game so many times before. But Musa Sissoko is a good one. Yep. <laughs> so we, we, know, we know this dance we know this song we, you know this, this is so, so familiar <laughs> yeah olivier Giroud is another one let's just why don't we uh, so i don't want to bring him up but i, but I had to because it's that just... one still hurts man <laughs> i i was so excited about that i was and then and then he, he and then it doesn't happen and then we end up with drink Tosin, who's hard-working guy i don't want to sit there and you know but olivier Giroud was really who we wanted that time wasn't it uh yep and we saw how that worked out. And so I think it's just a matter of I, we need to be a little bit smarter in the window. And I like this. I like the attempt to go at Hoiberg because I think he does fit the system that Ancelotti wants mm-hmm. in, in the midfield. He is an attacking midfield midfielder, and we definitely need someone to push that ball forward. But if he doesn't want to be here, then don't don't push him on it. 
Watching, watching Huber, like I watched some, you know, during my breaks today. I didn't do it on the clock, people who work for my, okay. But yeah. watched a lot of video on him today. And it's weird because uh, he does push the ball forward. He's really good at uh, he, he longer. He's got a good range of passing, good passing range. Uh, he's got a good eye for cross field, you know, playing people through. Um, but he is very physical and strong. He is, he does, he's really good at intercepting, you know. Um, he's a good defensive presence. He he mm-hmm. feels like, it's it's weird. Um, he feels like a, a okay, I, hes- I hesitate to say Idrissa Gay because I feel like he's a little bit better of a passer than Idrissa Gay, but I also don't think he's as fast or as quick. But I think he's got that same type of tenacity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I spoke earlier when I said he's an attacking mid. He's more of a defensive mid, sits in the back. He's more of like, but he goes so forward for that position. I, I, I knew what you meant, dude. And I yeah. and I and I dare say, I mean, literally, the bar is so low with our midfield right now that it's just like, I we're just looking for really anybody at this point to fill the, fill the gaps with our wingers. So it's, I, I mean, if Hoiberg works out, great. But if he's if it or if the rumors are true that he's trying to make a move to Spurs and he's trying to up our up the the, the bid, then so be it. That's fine. Yeah. And we know how the games are played. And I'm sure I, I feel like the the optimism that I have is that we have a manager at this point who knows the game, is not gonna put up with this for very long. He's gonna tell, he's gonna pressure our ownership, say, look, if he's not in, I need I've got about five different guys that I want in right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm sure we've got backup plans from all different parts of, of Europe that I'm sure he's looked at and he's play, he's probably managed. And he's, he said, I know we've been linked with so many different players from Napoli and, and from France, from Spain. So it's, it we'll we'll just, we'll see how this plays out. But if Hoiberg works out, great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he definitely would make the team better. And if, and if the bid is accepted, I do think 25 million is uh, is more than I would want to pay for a guy with one year left on his contract, right? But at the same time, he makes us better. He does. So, yep. And so regardless of the system we play, he still makes us better. That's important, That's true. you know? So let's move on. Oh, hold on. I got to get that tossed right. <laughs> That's better. All right, so let's move on. Villa review. We need to move on past Pure Bureau because we don't know what's real and what's not. Sure. So give opinions and move on. So Villa review. Uh, spoiler alert, if you have not watched the game, I mean, if you haven't, it's been a while. You've had some time. 1-1 uh, draw. Um, kind of a kind of a dry match. Uh, how, Cameron, give your th- first thoughts before I really rattle off any nonsense. I want you to have a little time to to get your thoughts out there, man. Yeah, Villa was one of those matches where I was able to watch bits and pieces. I had to go back and watch some of it to see, really, because it was really started with Twitter, where it was telling me how awful it was. And I had to see it from my own eyes. Yeah. But it, it really was a case of a team that did not come out looking like it wanted any part of this match. I think they were, they were of course, on the back end of a really bad stretch of five matches Villa obviously wanted this match. They needed it badly, and it may prove to be that what's going to save them. Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, I, I honestly have not seen a team with so many high-priced players in my life that did not look like they cave at one iota about that about a match, especially in mm-hmm. the mid. It was, it was so embarrassing to watch a team that was in relegation just dominate them on the mid in the midfield and basically had most of the possession for a while and just have the ball for every time I looked up yeah. and really all it, it really took Theo Walcott coming in and saying, all right, we've got to do something and gets that header, that miraculous, almost a miraculous header in over the keeper to, to save us a point and really a serious embarrassment because we wouldn't have not have gotten one point from Villa all season. Right. So that really was a, a low point in the season. And I, and I know we've had, there have been low points, but that one was bad. And I think that was universal amongst Twitter 
and amongst right. all Everton fans that who were just like, what is going on with this club right now? And right. do any of these players want to be a part of this in the future? Because it just didn't look like it. Yeah. Uh, before this match, we had heard kind of a, a rah-rah, you know, like, hey, I think it was Coleman who had come out and said, you know, we we have to play like professionals. You know, we've got to we got to actually care more. We need a response, essentially. Was this a response? Uh, by certain players, yes. And I, <laughs> okay. I think that there are the veterans that want to be there, and there are and the young guys that want to be there. There are certain other players there that either they're just not good enough or they're just they're they're done right. in terms of wanting to be a part of this culture. And yeah, I, I I'll save save my name calling or name naming for later because you know they, it's almost like we'll we'll talk about it in the next match that we review because a, a couple of them redeem themselves. Right. But the but it just it just feels like it's almost like Carlo knows who's going out. And he's made it clear to some of them. And are they, do they even want in anymore? Because it's just like he's been basically told, I think he's told a couple of them, look, you're not good enough to be here. And mm. you either out of, it's either stay in or get out, either like on loan or ask for a, a transfer. Because some of that, some of the nonsense that I watched last Thursday was just that's championship league stuff mm. that they, in terms of passing. Not being able to connect with like, like I'm talking ten yard passes that are not getting connected. They're getting intercepted. Uh, playing from the back all the every single time, going to, giving it back to Pickford, having it like even when you're almost at their box. It's like it's it just it's laughable sometimes. And I'm I'm not trying to be too critical here, but getting when I'm thinking back to Thursday's match. Just, You're getting worked up, man. <laughs> I mean, it's to, okay. It's all right. You're, you're having to relive it, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. And, I, and I've had to, I've had to relive that nightmare like over a, a decade. It's yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just like for every good thing that happens, you know, then there's those this little bad stretch that, that they go through, and yeah. especially with how well they've started the restart. After we started with Liverpool, we played really well. Yeah. Uh, we played well against Norwich, obviously. But then once we had that opportunity to possibly get into seventh place, be in, champ, be in a, a a race for Europe, you know, it's almost like the bottom just absolutely fell out. And they had no, like, motivation once they lost to Tottenham. And it just, it, it is, that was that, that was kind of the back end of it where just nothing was going right. That was an awful performance, too. That yeah. was just such yep. a, like, meh. I don't want to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. I had I had pushed it out of my mind, Cameron. It was gone, and now it's back. So, just a few things. Just a we ran four four two that game, right? Yep. Um, Villa ran a four three three. I think it was Consa uh, got their goal. I uh, think it was on a header. Um, they outshot us fifteen to nine. Um, it's it does seem like they they had i mean they had the run of play let's be let's be frank and we sort of stole points on that one we did um can i ask you a question though i don't want to spoil too much getting into the sheffield because i feel like this is a good transition but is it safe to say that your lowest performers without pointing were center midfielders oh from the right. Villa match. Villa match, yes. And that had been going on for a couple of games. Right. So here's a question. We changed up formation for Sheffield, 4-2-3-1. We were allowed to have three in the midfield, and they it didn't seem like they were as exposed, mm -hmm. right? Uh, do you feel like the if we're using those particular players, we need to be running three in the middle, and that's just kind of... A smarter formation for, but I mean, the issue with doing that, just uh, just to give my big, fat, stinky, you know, not so fast, my friend, is is basically Richarlison's farther away from the goal when you when you slap him on the side, right? That's right. 
So, but it, so what is the four? Was the four two two getting stale? And did we have the personnel for it? Is it's kind of my duly pronged question. I think you're correct. The four four two was getting stale, and it we needed to modify that formation. Now I now we go back to four two three one. We remember all the complaints about that under Marco Silva mm-hmm. because they left Dominic Calvert Lewin exposed at the top. And if without Richarlison up there with him, he had no help at all. And so the defense could ease the back four would easily work like key in on him. Mm-hmm. And but the benefits, and I know people have been talking about possibly modifying this to a four three three. Andre Gomez looked like a new player. And I know he's coming back and I know he's coming back from a very bad injury. Right. That's the best he's looked in months. And that's because he had help with three midfielders with him. I'm with and, you, dude. And he's, I think, I know people were easy, easily starting to kind of slag him off a little bit because mm-hmm. of some of his performances. But, I mean, I'm willing to give him a pass because he's coming off one of the most horrific injuries I've seen in a long time. Yeah. And they were working him like a dog in uh, coming back from that restart. I think he was just exhausted. And he's playing when he was playing in a... That that system in the four four two, playing back as part of a two two center midfielder group, especially with a partner that seemingly could not figure out which way was up and which way was back, and like he's got to rely on himself to do all of that work, and that doesn't work for him. If he has the help, like most guys, I, you can see how dangerous he really is, and so and it's like the same thing I would say about Sigurdsson, who was someone I was going to point a finger at. But if you put Sigurdsson in his natural position at a number 10 with a midfield that he knows what to do. Yeah. uh, It's it's one of those things where we, Ancelotti knows exactly what has to happen. He just does not have the resources right now. He needs more depth in that midfield. I'm, I'm not so easily going to say that Gomez and Sigurdsson need to be, you know, transferred out. There's, I, there's still talent there, but they've got to get depth behind them so that they can play where they're supposed to play. Not, not as much flexibility in terms of system, which could have helped or would help if we get maybe a a more athletic covers, more ground type of player, more defensive minded, but still pushes the ball forward type of center mid, whoever that ends up being. Cause we're going to, we know we're going to get one of them. Someone's going to happen. You know. And keep in mind, we, we did get that guy last summer, we thought, in Gabadman. And <laughs> that was supposed to be the answer for, and was going to be a savvy buy. But unfortunately, he can't stay healthy because if he had been healthy, he's going to be – I bet he would have been a regular in the back there for yeah. protecting everybody in front, like Sigurdsson, for instance. I so, saw him as being such a good – like a potential shield for that back line, the athleticism of that guy. And – he was just ah. Uh, he covered so much ground, and mm-hmm. I was thinking I I I and I I had in my wildest dreams I did not anticipate these kinds of injuries coming from a dude who he just seems like cut. He seems so cut, you know. He looks like this just huge statuesque, you know. And so, I, but I, it just goes to show that bad luck can happen to to any of these guys. That's right, you know. Um, and it's unfortunate. It's bad luck for the whole team. Bad luck for gosh. Bad luck for Silva, whose system really was hinging on that, you know. Um, Having those two uh, defensive mids needed him badly. And that's, it's just, it's bad luck. And, you know, sometimes you just can't recover from that. Mm -hmm. So we have officially transferred out of Villa card flip. Uh, Sheffield, we should, uh, so we, better performance from the Blues. Uh, that four-two-three-one system did seem uh, agreeable to the personnel that was on the field. Uh, we had it seemed like we had players in positions they were naturally like ready-made for. It didn't seem like a lot of shoehorning people in. That's right, and uh, I would say this is a good point to shout out how good our defense, our defense has been, our back four, so especially, when, especially when healthy. That when that back four is on, they they man that they shut down that Sheffield attack every single time. The, I mean, they had some shots on Pickford's goal, but really they were all contested. 
there was uh, un- like the unity between those back four guys. Every single time, they seem to be the most cohesive group that we always have that comes out no matter who the back four is. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, it, it's nice to see because in that modified 4-2-3-1 that he put out, um, it allowed us to move forward. And we were able to keep ourselves kind of in check, not have to worry about that, so we could press a little bit. And while it was kind of a, I would say, a little bit of a slog in the first half, while they were figuring out how to attack Sheffield, because Sheffield was doing the same thing, not knowing what to do, once we were able to finally get that free kick uh, on the right-hand side, that was the opening that they were able to get. And, you know, Richarlison hit a header that I is one of the best I've ever seen. So nice, man. uh, Cahill, really. And that's why they had that exchange on Twitter. Yeah, you saw that too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, how he got power on that flick—it was weird. It was—it was a flick, but it had power. It was just—it was really, really well executed. And you know what? Sigurdsson put in a good ball. He put in he a did. great ball. I know, you know? and it's, that's his specialty. And if I know that he—he's he, definitely lost pace as, in terms of uh, where he once was. But if you put him in his natural ten position and allow him to feed those in constantly. I mean, he's still, I would say, arguably the best player we've got in terms of free kicks into the box. I mean, I'd say the second half, we were creating more chances. I mean, I, we we just looked a lot more sound all oh. the way through, um, which is interesting because one of the big... I noticed a... I mean, I'm sure you noticed it too, so I'm not going to sit there and act like this, this observation is unique to me or anything, but uh, I noticed a lot of effort to try to play Calvert Lewin. Uh, He was checking back trying to play into his feet often so that he could kind of make a one touch pass or control and then find somebody out wide. It was a lot of effort to have him not be isolated, to, to have him do a little, just, just a tiny little bit of hold up and distribute. And it seemed like an effort to make sure he was involved and whoever's yep. like designing things was like, oh, yeah, well, we want to make sure he's not isolated. That's true. And I you know? You know, I think every probably about five minutes or so, you would see a comment like, is, is he right? Ancelotti seemed to mix up his formation on a, about every 10 minutes where it would go from about a 4-2-3-1 to maybe a 4-3-2-1 and then about a 4-4-2 <laughs> and then a maybe 4-3-3 where yeah. – he would just mix up everything to either throw Sheffield off or see what was going to work. And I think we're probably going to see that a lot moving forward until he gets comfortable with the formation, especially when they start bringing in players that he wants. But I mean, I would expect against Bournemouth and we'll get into that later, the, that probably going to mix it up again, just depending, depending on what he sees Mm -hmm. from the defense. And he's just going to start telling everybody out on, on the pitch, look, We've got to, if we're going to get people involved, we're going to have to mix this up because obviously isolating uh, DCL or really anyone up top is not going to work. So we've got to, we've got to do something where it's, it's going to be a group effort, whether it's four, three, three, if we've got to have, you know, wingers on both sides moving forward, then, then that's what we're going to do. And I like that about Ancelotti. He's obvi- like, for me, he's the most creative manager that I we've ever had like in turn since I've started rooting for this club and I'm in that he will adapt to anything that's going on yeah uh the change that I see I tend to see a lot of times is usually um when we versus you know when we get the ball a lot of times in the back sometimes what you will see is you'll see Gomez or Davies slide back into one of the outside back roles and you'll see that outside back just streak up the field, commonly Luca Dean. So, you know what I mean? So you see that there's still a back four in place and there's a shape, but that outside back just streaks forward to and and allowing that uh that's that left wing who was Richarlison at the time to not have to sit there and be as far away and to kind of slip inside more. It's brilliant and I it's love great. it. <laughs> and that's the stuff that we loved as Everton supporters a decade ago under David Moyes with Stephen Pinar and Leighton Baines. Mm. And everyone says they're the best combo that we've ever had, at least in recent memory, on the left side. Because that's the kind of uh, 
strategy that was employed where that's when Baines was one of the fastest left backs in the in, in England and Pienaar and him worked in tandem. It's like they knew what each other was thinking. And so when we had that lethal combo down the left-hand side, like if we can have that now, if we do that again, that's going to be, I mean, if he can really figure that out with someone on the, in front of Dean, like that's going to be like, if it's Anthony Gordon, mm-hmm. then perfect. The, because yeah. that will be just, that could be a lethal combo moving forward. So you brought it up and this is going to end up being a nice segue to my next segment. No, no, no. We got to do a Bournemouth preview. Doggone it. Audience, I thought I had this perfect segue, but I can't skip a whole segment. I'm sorry. It was going to be perfect. Just saying. So just just imagine how great the segue had been. Uh, anyway, so uh, just to go ahead and give a little bit more respect to our defense, just to kind of emphasize that. Uh, center back partnership was sound. The outside backs were sound. Um, mm-hmm. But we've got to mention the kid. Got to mention... The 18-year-old kid, he's a giant and Mm -hmm. so poised in the back. You saw how much we played out of the back, man. We played out of the back very frequently, and he was not flapped. He was unflappable. He just, it was very calm. His distribution was sound. He was putting it, he was not just going backwards or sideways. He was putting the ball forward as well. He was pretty, looked pretty good, man. That Branthwaite looked pretty good. I tell you what, you you talk about a, a meteoric rise. Uh, he was in league. He started his first match at League Two at last October. Yeah. And then he gets, and we pick him up in January, and then he's now making his debut. Not uh, what ten months later in the mm-hmm. Premier League. And kudos to this kid because he, you're really right. Like he is unflappable. You remember when he was first called into action? And he literally had a goal scored on him within five seconds. It was it was seconds. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Literally the first thing that happened against Wolves. Yeah. And that poor kid. I mean, it's just like you – but most – I think a lot of kids would run back where they would have head down. They'd be like, why did I do that? Or they'd be trying to explain themselves. But you say he kept his head up. He didn't allow really anything else to happen, at least on his watch in that match. And then – Man, he turned in one of the best center half performances of the season against Sheffield, and and we got man of the match. He, Carlo is has nothing but praise for him over the last few weeks. So I mean, he's going to be a mainstay in this in this defense for a long, long time, and it's good too. It's a good thing to finally have depth at that position because obviously we've had injuries, and you can never have too many center backs. Uh, and it's, it, but the, to to know that already at 18 he can play at that position, that's very comforting for sure. Yeah, the hope is, you know, Mason Holgate gets healthy. We, we end up with, and we don't have to force him into too much action too quickly. The idea of him getting a few games here, a few games there, I like that. Just ease him in and not really just. You know, kind of gradually get him experience, gradually build that confidence. Um, and but we're going to talk more about him later. I just realized I was like, we could talk about Branthwaite for another 30 minutes pretty easily. But uh, we'll we'll get to him later. You know, it's one of those things where the young the young player, the young Everton players, when they have a good game, we 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 do tend to go overboard. So I'm trying yeah. to hold back a little bit. And, but he had a he had a great game. He played very well, and he's showing a lot of promise. So let's go to, you know, this game just feels like an inconvenience to my lineup, to my segue, and just to everything. Sure. But Bournemouth preview, this is happening. Uh, they're 19th. They have more to play for right now, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, us, we're, I mean, even if we win, we're probably not going to get into 10th. The Really, what we're trying not to do is drop to 12th. That's really what we're, what seemingly, and we're going for momentum and pride. That's right. If you, you know, I like pride, but you know, not every, it's not for everyone. But uh, so right now they, I mean, they've got 31 points. Bournemouth does. They're uh, 19th with a goal diff of uh, negative minus 27, I think, which is the same goal diff as Watford, who has slipped down. That's a shame. 
uh, has slipped down to 18th. So uh, if somehow uh, Watford loses their last game and if for some reason Bournemouth wins and the goal diff works out, Bournemouth could save themselves with this win, gives them something to play for, something very distinct to play for. But they're not playing well lately. Uh, their past three games, they recently lost to Southampton 2-0, lost to City 2-1, but they did beat Leicester 4-1. Um, I look at this I look at this Bournemouth team. Uh, I don't see a lot of players where I'm like, oh gosh, let's worry. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not... I, they, I got one player that worries me because he always plays well against us, and I just saw him just play an amazing... just score an amazing goal against Manchester United a couple weeks ago. That's Stanislaus. Yeah. He Every always time. plays well against us. It doesn't matter if they bring him off the bench. He scores a goal against us every time. So frustrating. I, I don't understand if there's something that, like, did, did an Everton fan wrong him at some point? I, I, don't, I don't know what happens. Every time he, score, he, he plays us, he scores. Yeah. So, but, yeah, I, it's definitely what happened today, obviously, it has made Sunday very interesting. Yes. And, you know, Wofford losing by four and then Villa winning has created a three-man race, three-team race for the last spot. And Bournemouth are hanging on for dear life. And obviously, they would need a lot to happen, including they have to win on Sunday. But the it is finally it's finally nice to have a an interesting like final day. So because <laughs> uh, I, I miss those, and so. I know it's been a weird year, but at least we've got something to look at. And, of course, our match might be featured heavily now uh, on Sunday, might get a big network because we are involved with a team that's in the relegation battle. So big news for everybody, uh, if there. So, uh, but, yeah, I, I agree. In terms of players, I besides Stanislas, who I'm sure will get the start, because <laughs> Eddie Howe knows exactly <laughs> so how he should by now. <laughs> uh, the boyhood Evertonian that he is. Yeah. He knows. So, <laughs> he, uh, so they, they've got a couple of dangerous players for sure up top. They, they are going to go all out against us. I bet they're going to high press. Yeah. They have to, even if it means they give up goals. So uh, it really, it's going to, I could see a very open game on Sunday that in, uh, if Carlo Carlo looks at that, he's probably going to put a couple of, he's going to, is Moise King ever going to get another start? I, I think if there is a chance, he's going to do it on Sunday because, you know, I know I love DCL, but I feel like DCL might even need to get a rest. He's, I think he's been pressing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would think he'd be a very big asset off the bench or, and, you know, to come in later if, you know, if Keane's not performing. But if you put Richarlison up top or if you put it, if you do a wing, if you do it like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, have Richarlison on the on the wing and have Keane with yeah. him in the middle. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, they haven't tried it before. And obviously Keane is a very talented player. I'm not one of those people writing him off. I, yeah, I think, neither. yeah, I think he's a, he's a very talented youngster. He obviously knows how to play. He's, he is featured for Juventus and Italy's U23. So I think in the last time he started, he scored. So it's, <laughs> I mean, let's, why don't we give him a shot here and see what he can do? And I, I think we really just need a lot of pace up top to counter Bournemouth. Bournemouth's going to try to maybe lock down on the back four. But they obviously, again, like I said, they have to open it up because they're going to have to score and they're going to have to try and beat us. So it's going to, I could be very open. I love watching defenders bounce off Moise Keane. That's one of my favorite things. He goes in the game. It's like, I don't know. The, for I'm sorry, for English folks, you're not going to get this. But I don't know if you remember Mike Allstott from the Tampa Bay yeah, Buccaneers. Whenever they – he would – you know, that's that's the way I imagine the sound is when people bounce off Moise Keane every single time. Incredible. He's 19 years old, and there's like these, he makes these guys look like just children. He's just – I can't believe – Oh, I mean, he looks like he should be more impa- he he looks like he should be having more of an impact on the game than he is because every time he gets the ball, it almost looks like defenders are like, "Nah, man, I'm good. I don't want any, I don't want that." You know what I mean? Like every yeah. single time. But 
I do think he's still getting his feet in terms of working with the other players. I think combining with other players, that's just, he's getting the hang of that and everything. And he's not as good in the air as Dom. He's not. Because you know what? Not many people are. He That's an underrated trait of DCL that people, for some reason, don't acknowledge like how many 50-50s he wins in the air. I mean, heck, he almost got a header goal against Sheffield, um, which was actually pretty nice. I don't know how it didn't go in, if I'm honest. But, <laughs> but well, yeah. And you know what? I'm not even suggesting to rest DCL. It's just the matter of the fact that I have, I'm not used to maybe even saying let's do Keen DCL and Richarlison up top. I mean, it just be so fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, is, are we going to be that ambitious? I, but that would be something to think about yeah. because if DCL, you move him into the middle as you, as we always would, but if you have it compact a little bit and Richarlison and Keen are with them with him, I mean that that trio. I, I, there are plenty of teams that run a four-three-three that are very that have that kind of it's like dynamic like elusive speed I and mean, then keen keen would be a menace on the wing and just if dcl's in the middle obviously he'd be the guy that we want heading the ball him or richarlison but if keen's speed on the wing is going to help out I, I i just feel like it's one of those games where you're right we all we have is pride go above 50 points beat southampton essentially in the rankings yeah, yeah, that, why not why not a mess with the lineup a little bit and maybe use some, maybe do something like that and incorporate the youngsters too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have U23 guys that are in the wings. Ellis Sims is one of them. We'll talk about him. Beningame is another guy we need to talk about. At some I've point. always liked that kid. Yeah. I mean, we, guys that are waiting to get their opportunity, uh, just like it, why not just have these academy players come in, see what they have. I mean, I know that's been clamored about for a lot by a lot of people. So, I, I we'll see. Do you think? Uh, do you think four four two or four two three one, or do you think we'll experiment with something else? I think it's going to end up being like kind of what happened at Sheffield because it worked out. So like I was a, thinking the same thing. The four two three one that he incorporated hybrid ish. Yeah. Uh, so I I feel like eventually it, it could be like dcl up top with the one but he's going to end up giving him help with guys on the wing yeah and so and, and at the same time allowing the midfield to work together as a three as a three group just because that's really what helped you know andre gomez big time mm-hmm. yeah so uh i think he's he i don't think he'll he'll stray from that from what happened at sheffield because i mean he's got a winning formula now for at least for the next couple weeks and i think so yeah i'm with you i'm totally with you only change i could see maybe is coleman coming in because he's had a little rest i could see coleman potentially coming in for sadibe uh but um i mean but honestly it's not like sadibe had a bad game i think it would only be but just because coleman's had a little rest now and let's be honest coleman plays better once he has a rest every few games you know otherwise you see the the tired leggy like not normal Seamus Coleman, you know? Uh, what do you think the score is going to be before we before we move on to the last subject? Man, I, honestly, if I said it's going to be an open game. Uh, I think we, we do win the game. I think it's going to be, let's let's call it 3-1 to mm. us. And I that might be ambitious because of our goal scoring record in the last couple games. But I, I do think the reason I, I give us a 3-1 score is because we – Bournemouth are, are going to be forced to go forward and they're going to expose themselves in the back. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's just how it is. And it, unfortunately for them, I, I think that because they have to do that, they're just, and when something like that happens, talent wins out and we still are the more talented club. And, and so I, I do think we went out, we're at home. It's, mm-hmm. I think we see it out. And unfortunately I think Bournemouth gets relegated as a result. Yeah, I've got us 2-0. I should have I should have gone 3-1 because I should have done what you did and predict Stanislaus to get the goal. <laughs> Probably some kind of overhead kick from midfield, just what I'm expecting from him. Uh nutmegs four players, you know. But but now I'm saying 2-0 win because I think uh our defense looks really sound right now. And I do think we'll catch them we'll catch them forward. I think we'll we'll catch them off guard, and I think they have some defensive players that are injured, and I don't think it's their strongest defensive setup. I don't. No. Uh, so they have 
we've had injuries, but they have had, I feel like their injuries right now are more impactful than the ones we're dealing with right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So three, one, three, one from Cameron two nil from, uh, from me, which just spells a whole lot of overconfidence potentially. <laughs> oh, so we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Last subject. Um, something's been cropping up lately at the end is ever since the restart. Um, it's been kind of awesome. Uh, Ellis Sims made the bench at the last game. Jared Branthwaite, uh, started, played the whole match, looked great. Um, then you got somebody like, uh, Mason Holgate is a starter in this league right now. When he is healthy, he is a starter. He is one of the first names on the team sheet. He looks so good when he plays right now for us. It is solid. Uh, Tom Davis is getting a lot of minutes. He's young. Anthony Gordon is actually getting playing time now, which is which is amazing. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think he's going to play this much this season. Did not see it, and he's getting to play. Moise Keane is twenty years old. Um, I mean, look at. I mean, think about the ages here, man. Branthwaite's eighteen. DCL's twenty three. Mason Holgate's twenty three. Tom Davis is actually twenty two, which I thought he was way older. That's <laughs> nuts to me. He seems like he's like twenty eight. You know, but then you see him like out on the street and you're like, no, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Gordon's 19. Moise Keane is, is 20 and Ellis Sims is 19. You mentioned Baningami. He's young, too. These are players that are making the bench. That's right. Uh, some of them are. And a lot of them are getting legitimate, real minutes, impactful minutes. OK, now, not all of these, uh, hardly any of these came through our academy system. Hardly any. All right. They were just intelligent acquisitions. They were young and we acquired them. And uh, some of them were given opportunities quicker than maybe they normally would have gotten it. Branthwaite played way before he should have probably. But you know what? He's I mean, he's good enough. He's he's old enough, right? Yep. I mean, he DC, proved it. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. He uh <laughs> At least in at least in the game against Sheffield, he's proven that he's definitely worth that buy, and that he will be a player for the future for for Everton. Uh, he may, you know, he's definitely. I mean, it's a quick turnaround because of the situation that's going on. We only have about six weeks, I think, until the new season starts. But he, he's, I think they'll they'll bring him back into camp. He's, I guarantee you, he's going to be. He's not going out alone. He's going to be a. a fixture in this 18 uh, mm -hmm. moving forward in the 2020-21 season uh, that he's too valuable he's already he's already proven that he's at least going to back up Holgate and Keane uh, mm -hmm. as a member of the depth in the 18 I think he's going to be on the bench at least every single time and he'll rotate in uh, I think on, on a regular basis especially when you've got a long season with the League Cup and the FA Cup he's going to feature in all those games Mm -hmm. And I think the decision is going to have to be made. It's like, you know, Yerry Mina is a, still a great player as well. And I won't dwell on him, but he's just injured all the time and can't rely on him. And, as, and even if we do keep him around for depth, I think eventually Branthwaite is someone, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be the replacement. He's going to be the guy that will be pairing up with, with Holgate or Keane on a regular basis. See, I'm a big believer in having starters on the bench, you know what I mean? Like yeah. never having one starter per position. You have that competition and training. So I'm a big believer in four center backs that could start. If you've mm -hmm. got a solid squad, four center backs that could start right now, we don't, we only have two <laughs> really because yeah. the other two are injured. Um, but you brought up a really, the question I was going to allude to. So you kind of got into it already. Uh, like who's the odd man out, especially since we're looking at purchasing a center back right now, who's that going to be? We don't know. It could be Gabriel. We don't know. Um, I sort of hope it is because more I'm learning about him, better he seems, but I don't know. Cause it seems to me like Gary Mina would be the odd person out at this point with Branthwaite coming in and looking like a viable starter. And how crazy is that from two years ago? When, Cannot, I did not see this coming. No way, man. I was I shocked mean, that he was playing. I would, yeah. It, it's, it, it's just, it's one of those things that it's unfortunate because you know Mina had such a great World Cup with mm -hmm. yeah, and then we we get him along with Andre Gomez and Luca Dean, 
mm-hmm. uh, from Barcelona, and we're thinking, good Lord, are we going into the top 10, top six? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things that it's, it's not, it's not his fault. It's the fact that he's just not durable. I, it has not been for the two years he's been with us. Mm-hmm. And I, but you know, the nice thing is, is that when he is durable and when he is healthy, he is a very viable center half. Yes. He, he, you know, he, he's good on the ball. He's a, he can, he's a good defender. And I think that if, if we're able to hold on to him, I like him because he does maintain good depth for us. If we need to rotate someone out and bring him in for a match or two, I, I, I like you said, four starters at set at every position, then especially at the center half where we, we, we've notoriously been like over the last few years been very shallow right to have depth at that position is so key when especially with the premier league strikers we that we have to defend against uh, i i'm so happy if we are able to hold on to all those guys and maybe bring someone else in as well like a gabrielle and if that means that we have to put someone out on loan okay but i also wouldn't mind being able to hold on to everybody just so that we have that depth because we can see we've seen how quickly depth goes when people get hurt. Yeah. I think the only issue that I have with, cause I mean, I was going to ask you, I was going to be like, do we even need to purchase a center back? If, if mean is healthy and Holgate's healthy and that's four solid starters, right? Any mm-hmm. one of those four could be a starter. However, three of those are similar, right? They're taller. They're not quick. They're yeah. taller. They're more, Ball winners, they're good passers, they're good enough passers, but they're not quick. Holgate's the only one that can sit there and really break down one of those quicker attackers. And I feel like you need to have more than one of those. Yep. And I feel like Gabrielle would be closer to that mold, a little bit of a mixture of the two. You know what I mean? I agree. And that and that's one of those things where you have you can bring in a guy who is a hybrid player, where he can mm-hmm. almost play a midfield position. If, if if the need came up, uh, Holgate, I know people have been screaming about that. They really have. Play <laughs> uh, Holgate up and yeah. have you know Keen and Mina or Keen and Branthwaite behind him. Yeah. And if you know Gabrielle is a very similar player to Holgate, where he I think he can play that position where he can play almost from our box to midfield and even play up a little bit if he needs to. And I think. Ancelotti likes those kind of players that you don't have to to be at one position. He can play him here or he can play him up and then he can move someone else in behind him. And that's, uh, I, I agree. So it's like, it's not, it's not that we have five center halves It's that we have center mids and we have center halves and defensive. Gotcha. I mean, that's, I agree. So it's just, it's kind of an interesting thing. I mean, to have this much youth that's being so impactful, I guess that was the point of this, of this segment is that it seems like, I mean, Gordon, I think we're talking about eventually as a starter, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, Cause he's been, he's had starting minutes already and there've been times where, yeah, but he did kind of get the starting gig by default, but he's taken the reins. He's taken it and run with it. He looks good. I love watching these young players, man, get an opportunity because it's that good kind of cocky, that arrogance, that brazen, like, I don't know any better to be intimidated of you. You know what I mean? I love that. I'm so into that to watch him just boldly like tear forward. So fun. Oh, and it's great. I mean, the, there's, there was a moment there in the Sheffield match where, you know, as soon as he came on and yeah. one of the first things he did was he took the ball and he went past the Sheffield defender, went in the box and crossed in DCL. I, I, he DCL overran the ball a little bit, but it would have been a goal if DCL had literally been there for that. I mean, mm-hmm. been there for that service. It was a cross in I and mean, it was yeah. a, on the ground, but he, uh, he, he, right. He is fearless and he, he takes on defenders like it, it's no big deal. Like he has mm-hmm. been doing in the U23s, and and I'm glad that we have this mentality from. And it's a credit to David Unsworth, who, someone who's been a ambassador for Everton for years and years and years, who's still managing down there at the U23s. Mm-hmm. He's bringing these guys up, and he's telling you know Carlo or and the ownership, look, this we've got some players down here you need to look at, and yeah. it's and Gordon's. Gordon, and I'm glad to see this because 
you know, for for decades, Everton's academy has been one of the most storied ones up there with United and, mm. and all of those. And I think over the last, let's say, maybe decade, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. We've had some guys come up that we thought were going to be really, really good, and they've not worked out very well. You know, there have been names that have come in, and then they've we've sold them off because they didn't work out. We put them on loan for I don't know how many times. But if we've got this new crop of group that seems to really want it, like uh, Gordon and, and, you know, Beningame hopefully works out. I don't know how much longer he's got, but maybe he gets a shot. And then Ellis Sims is another one that we need to talk about. But Sims Sims is is one of those guys that, you know, you just – he didn't come in against Sheffield, but you look at him on the sidelines like, my God, that is a massive person. (laughs) (laughs) He's somebody we've been talking about for a while. We've been yeah. talking about Sims for a while now, and the fact that he was on the bench, I think everybody got this little electrical charge when they saw his name pop up on the on on the bench, and we were all hoping for a couple minutes. Not gonna get that yet. Maybe get that last game. Who knows? Yeah, but still, uh, a lot of. But we're talking about a lot of really cool, exciting. Uh, the thing about Everton's academy in the past, though, has been that it seems like they're developing players to make a really like kick-ass U23 team. Mm-hmm. And because there's a disconnect usually, and I, a lot of people have talked about this on Twitter, so this is not news to anyone. So this is not my theory. This is everyone said it. I just realized that viewers, I don't want it to pass it off as mine. But uh, it's the idea that there's not a lot of communication between the U23s and the first team. So they're developing for different systems. They're bulking up for a really, really good U23. And you know what? The U23 team is always good. Unsworth does put together a team that wins championships. He does. Okay. But not always do they convert to what is happening in the first team. And it's really exciting to see some of these kids get chances that I feel like we never we just haven't seen that lately. It just hasn't been a thing. And although I realize some of these have recently been purchased. So, I mean, no, we've never seen Moise Keen with the U23s. But we saw DCL with them. You know, Branthwaite got some time with them early on, right? Holgate played with them some. Davies and Gordon are from, you know, many academy years. Ellis Sims, many academy years, you know? So it's cool to start seeing that path, actually become like an actual path, you know, and to see like actual roles for these players start, start cropping up, you know? Agreed. And, you know, this is, this is where I divulge, like this is where I divert, I should say, to an American uh, analogy, which is AAA and Major League Baseball. Ah. Uh, <laughs> real, real, real quick, because I know that doesn't, translate it all to, to <laughs> that's okay you're going somewhere you'll get there no, i'm saying like so what triple a is is the u23s triple a generally is what happens when you are stuck almost a little bit in between the up-and-coming youngsters and the senior level so normally what happens is you the double a is like the u20s it's like if you're that good at u20 they immediately send you up to the senior level like in double a whereas triple a you kind of get stuck in almost purgatory if you if you're stuck there too long, you aren't gonna ever either get up or you're gonna fall back down into to somewhere else or you're just gonna fall out of the league entirely. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I equate the U23s are. And like like you said, for the longest time we always have great U23s, but it's like having a great AAA team in baseball. Like they're gonna win every single year, but a lot of those players just they don't quite have it enough to get to to be a a phenomenal player on the on the next level of the senior and then they end up having just kind of gets they're stuck in that little and i think that you're right that the everton's u23 squad has kind of kind of hit a rut in that way for a little while but maybe they're finally getting out of it where they're starting to develop this talent that's young and can get up to the senior level and start making a difference so it seems to me like it's a little bit of a change in philosophy, but a lot of coincidental lack of depth that's creating opportunities for them. So it's almost a little bit of a change of philosophy, but maybe a forced change of philosophy as well, throwing that all yeah. together there. Um, regardless, it's a it's an exciting time to see, see a lot of these these young kids playing and getting legitimate, impactful, like real minutes and not just like, hey, 
this is the first round of the League Cup, you know, uh, yeah, which a lot of times that's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a thing. So anyway, or whatever they're calling it now, Carabao Cup, Carling Cup, Milk Cup, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's... <laughs> But uh, but it's legitimate Premier League minutes for these kids, and it's exciting. It's really cool, and they're taking and they're taking advantage of it. They're not they're not wilting. Love seeing that, man. That's right. So that uh, that's our last segment for the show. Uh, just want to really quickly uh, say thanks to Cameron for for coming on. Cameron, uh, appreciate your time. Thanks so much. It's good to talk to you in person instead of just uh, going back and forth on Twitter. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's nice to put a uh, face to a name. And uh, just uh, I hope, hope you can make it down to Charlotte at some point, especially next season, when uh, hopefully things are a little bit back to normal. So I would love to. I mean, I, there's a chance I'm, I may be bringing, like, the family with me. I don't Good. know if kids are allowed, but my, my, my eight- and five-year-old are just, <laughs> yeah, they're just, yeah. I, I, I'm always like, well, guys, we're going to go watch the game, and they'll demand to go, even though I'm like, I don't know if they should be going to the bar. I don't know if they're ready for that yet. But, you know, at the very least, they'll pay attention to the game. So, But I know my wife would want to go. So it's uh, we'd absolutely love to get back there, down there to uh, get down there to Queen City, Bites and Crafts. Uh, Carolina Toffees, for anybody in the, the, the Carolinas, North and South Carolina, yeah? That's correct. Yeah, we... Uh... We we're, we've got a Facebook group, Carolina Toffees. It's at Carolina Toffees on Twitter and Instagram. So follow us if you're around, or even if you're not, if you want to just follow us for the random stuff that I tweet or put on Instagram, or Roger or Gwen puts out, and uh, we would love to have you here. Yeah, it's a pretty cool community for everybody. Uh, you know, I i'm in the facebook group and i you know follow on twitter and all that and it's always it's always good conversation and there's some uh there's some cool people in there dropping some uh and they're also uh trying to make sure you're up to date on all the news which is helpful as well uh yeah because there's some other people it's not just you lurking in like the grand old team chat rooms just saying <laughs> it's not just you other people are right. learning <laughs> just saying <laughs> so uh very cool cameron uh thanks so much for the for the for the knowledge the patience the wisdom everything for the time the conversation man uh the shirt is is banging it looks awesome thank you so really? just got it yesterday it's awesome for everybody who's who's either purchased or is looking at purchasing it's uh definitely the best shirt they've put out in uh several years by the way that training gear looks ridiculously nice does. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm cool enough to play it off to be able to pull all that off, but I'm like I'm seriously considering it. <laughs> yeah, I hope I can, black and black and pink is not normally the colors I go with, but we'll uh, we may have to try it out. I and me either, but I'm like it looks so cool. I'm like maybe this is what makes me cool is if I get this. Maybe that's the missing ingredient yeah, I've been needing all these years. That's, <laughs> that's it. High school was just. All a facade. I just needed black and pink. Uh, <laughs> anyway, make sure you're following the Carolina Toffees on all the social media platforms. This this guy's an awesome fella. It's a really cool community to be a part of that. Also, uh, check out the Toffee Blues, uh, the, the website. There's all kinds of content on there. A lot of my, our buddies are contributors on there. Um, check out the, the Toffee Blues uh, the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing. And the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. And you know what? There's a LinkedIn page. No kidding. There's a Toffee Blues LinkedIn. Mind blown. Wow. What? Yeah, that's a thing. Um, anyway, that's all I got. Cameron, have a good night, man. All right, you do the same, Jerry. Yeah, I'm going to go hang out with the wife and uh, and have a beer, maybe watch an old Game of Thrones or something. You, uh, you take care <laughs> of yourself, and hopefully I'll see you at a game soon, buddy. You do the same, man. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, everybody, and bye.